Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis. Today, really good episode with somebody who I only recently came across on that old, good old bird app that helps me network and understand more types of people. As I always say, the point of this series of trying to go through all 32 NHL teams by around the NHL trade deadline is to get a really fair and accurate snapshot of where all 32 teams are from people who have no alternative agenda. These are the voices of people who are watching their team and only want the best for their team. There's no playing politics with the people in the locker room like you will get from some people in the media if you talk to them. Why they will never sway it's the coach's fault. They'll never blame any of the players. They'll just chalk up bad hockey as, you know, unfortunate coincidences as opposed to a conscious decision. So that's part of the reasoning in terms of why I prefer to do fans with this type of conversation where it's a little bit more of a snapshot trying to understand where they are today. One of my new friends, I can say now, Lyndon, on to talk about the Dallas Stars who have made a nice push, got themselves back into the mix when back in December, it kind of looked like the Stars were dead in the water. Uh, There was significant conjecture that Joe Pavelski would be a deadline Sell, uh, sale player at the deadline that Joe Pavelski would be available. John Klinberg, their best defenseman for the last handful of seasons, he had requested a trade previously. So there's a lot to unpack with the Stars. And these type of middle-class teams that are always on the fence of being a playoff team without any real push or oomph aside from the occasional miraculous playoff run, these are the bread and butter of the league. This is the reason the playoffs are set up the way they are, to keep as many teams in playoff contention as possible, as long as possible, to keep everybody relevant as long as possible. But the Stars have a handful of really young and exciting players, guys like Rupe Hins, guys like Jason Robertson, the unfortunately diagnosed with mononucleosis, um, Miro Heiskanen, which got diagnosed literally an hour before I started recording. And it's a really good episode. It's a nice snapshot on a team that doesn't get a ton of national play, but has players you should know about. If you are a hockey fan, you're aware of Miro Heiskanen, of Rupe Hintz, of Jason Robertson, of even Jake Ottinger, the goaltender, the Stars goaltender. So, really good talk. But before I get to today's show, got to remind everyone to help support the show. Number one. If you haven't gotten a chance yet, go back and listen to yesterday's episode with Maeve about the Colorado Avalanche, Maeve of the Pick One Team podcast, really good conversation about the Last Dance Avalanche, why this is really the last chance this group is going to get to go for a Stanley Cup because of the salary cap implications, the age of the group they have, and just the pressure of constantly being at this point of the precipice of disaster, where if something goes wrong this many times in a row, it usually ends up with somebody getting fired or a key player getting traded. So good talk on yesterday's show about the avalanche. Number two, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, all your major podcasting platforms. The show is available there. Number three, If you are using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts. Once you've hit the show's card and you go over to the page in the top right corner, there's the plus button. That's where you're going to hit subscribe. Then you're going to scroll. You're going to scroll. You're going to go past our recent episodes. At the bottom, there's going to be five clear purple stars. You hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you could be so kind to leave the show a written review, that would be greatly appreciated. And do that for any show, any podcast, any YouTuber, any TikToker, Instagrammer, anybody who does content. 
leave them reviews, give them feedback. That stuff matters a lot. It helps us immensely. Okay, all of that said, I will see you guys on the other side of the drop, and we will be talking about the Dallas Stars with my new friend, Lyndon. And with that, I am very happy to welcome to the show one of the more interesting follows I've come across on Hockey Twitter because I've been trying to get out of my usual bubble and interact with more types of people and other fan bases and kind of just get a good snapshot of where the league is. So this is why you're here, Lyndon, to talk about the Dallas Stars. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. Good, good. I'm glad. I mean, the Stars are one of those teams where if you're not in their division, you probably don't interact with them all that much. You don't see that team. They have a reputation of being kind of boring, which is weird to me, because when I think about the Stars, I think about Rupe Hintz. I think about Joe Pavelski, who is still very good, even though he's like 36. And I think about Jason Robertson, who's had a really good first two years in the league. So the first thing I want to touch on here is where does this notion of the stars being boring come from? Is that just because of like Rick Bonus, the way they play? What would you say gives them that reputation? I think maybe just in the past like five or six years, it's been kind of boring. I mean, we've mm. only had Rupe Hints very recently. We've only had Joe Pavelski very recently and Robertson and you know, even Miro, you know, draft yeah. number three, that was like a big exciting thing that happened. But I mean, other than like Ben and Sagan, there hasn't been like super interesting things. And then the, you know, bias against Southern teams in general. Yeah. Um, so you just don't hear about them as often. And yeah, I would say probably that. Gotcha. That, no, that definitely makes sense when you unpack it and think it out critically. So usually when I have people on for the first time, I like to get to feel out their brain a little bit, understand how they think about hockey. So what's your relationship with sports been within your life, in your life? How do you think about sports? What's your relationship been with sports? So I grew up in Arlington, Texas, which if you don't know, that is where the Dallas Cowboys stadium is. That's where the Ranger, Texas Ranger stadium is. Um, so I like literally growing up, I watched the AT&T stadium being built and like football is the biggest thing here. Like I heard this joke somewhere that Sunday morning is dedicated to the Lord, but Sunday afternoon is dedicated to the NFL. Um, you know, football is, is everything here. So hockey means almost nothing unless you're into hockey. Like, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, they mean everything to you. But if you're not, you don't care at all. I feel like that's a pretty general um, view of it. Um, unless they're doing really well, and then everybody cares. Because no other Texas teams are doing very well. So if they are, then you have to care. Gotcha. Um, yeah. What is it about hockey that resonated with you? That kind of tickled that part of your brain where everybody around you only cares about football, but for you, something about, what about hockey resonated with you? Well, before I was born, my dad and his best friend were like super big Dallas Stars fans, like in the late nineties. And then, you know, when they won the Stanley cup and everything. And um, I guess when I was like pretty little, my dad probably took me to a couple of hockey games. I don't remember. And then he just kind of stopped watching. 
and then the 2020 Stanley Cup bubble happened and he was watching again and I just happened to be watching with him um but also just like the narrative of hockey is so different I feel like it's different than other sports every player in hockey feels like they have only a few degrees of separation from every other player there's so much like store like there's so much like world building it almost seems fake yeah. sometimes and it's Definitely. just fascinating what type of fan are you optimist pessimist realist somewhere in between one of those three where do you fall on the spectrum i'm a very very uncompetitive person i never did well okay. at any sports i was put in as a kid i do not care about winning i just like to have fun so as long as everybody's having fun and they're healthy i'm having fun okay okay i got you i got you so the stars are one of those teams where we just talked about where like you said they they've gone they've had a few instances they won the cup in 99 they had a really long dry spell they made the playoffs a handful of times with that tyler sagan jamie bencor where john klinberg was one of the five best defensemen in the league they get ben bishop they go on that cup final run they've had a few chances to make really prolonged runs but for the most part They've been a casual, an occasional playoff team, a couple, couple second rounds here and there, but for the most part, pretty average in in the scope of the league. What does that feel like as a fan? Because you just said you're more so here just for the vibes. You want everybody to have fun, but what does that do to your outlook when you realize, well, we're probably not going to go anywhere this year, so I just want to enjoy the ride, or is it something else for you? Um, it is kind of annoying in that we're not bad enough to get really high draft picks, but we're not good enough to do anything uh, past a couple rounds of the playoffs, maybe, or a couple games. So that's, you get like stuck in the middle forever and it feels like it's going to last forever. But um, I don't know. I feel like right now we're at a time where we've got a handful of old guys that could be leaving pretty soon and a handful of really gun really good younger guys so that does make me very optimistic for the next couple seasons but gotcha so they go to the cup final two years ago and everybody is like fatally wounded like half of that team probably shouldn't have been playing in the playoffs how injured they were and they're still dealing with the repercussions of that two years later i mean rupe hints was playing basically all of last year with his leg out of his pelvis which i don't understand how a doctor let that happen tyler sagan has been playing with a bad hip for basically four years and finally got that cleaned up this offseason it's been kind of a grind like that division was a bloodbath last year because everybody beat up on each other a lot of really close one goal games but that team is very much still feeling the effects of that cup final run two years ago yeah for sure i mean uh not even to mention bishop yeah know, retiring effectively so that did take a lot out i was actually towards the end of last season i was hoping and praying they would not make it into the playoffs because I was like, they, they need to take a break. They need to go take a rest, you know, get healthy again. Rupe needs to go get his surgery. Everybody needs to take a breath. Um, yeah. And then even last season, we didn't, we didn't have Radulov for most of the season either. Yeah. So it seemed like everybody was injured and then playing so many games in such a short amount of time. Like every other day there was a game. They had to be just like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine playing that much. Yeah, the physical and the mental exhaustion add up. And it, it, I feel like 
hockey media is kind of gross with it where it's like yeah he was playing with his leg out of his pelvis all season and he still was almost a point of game player whereas it should have been like maybe someone should have told him it's okay to get the surgery we're not making the playoffs kind of thing that's one of the things where i know the the hyper masculine tough guy culture of hockey makes it seem like this is something that should be praised whereas it's something to me that should be a cause for concern like ruby hint is like 23 years old he's got a lot of time left in the league they shouldn't be worrying about right now when and, you know, you have hopefully another eight to 10 seasons of him. That's something that it's got to be frustrating as a fan when you see somebody as talented as he is trying to persevere through something he shouldn't have to. Yeah. And then even the guys who like were healthy, I mean, Miro was playing like, so he was playing so many minutes. He was so high yeah. in minutes all season. I'm thinking like, how is he not like dead on his feet every game? Like that's, you can't, you can't keep that level of play up for that long. And, and they all pretty much had COVID at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, and some of them said it didn't really affect them that much, but some of them said it did. And so, yeah, last season was a train wreck, but I feel like it was a train wreck for everybody. Yeah. For the most part, like, yeah. What? Yeah, every team had at least five to 10 guys get COVID. And as so, even though these are, you know, world-class athletes, you know, it takes time if you're on your butt for a week and you can't exercise for a week going from doing nothing for a week because you're having you have a respiratory illness to playing professional hockey is that's a dramatic escalation of your cardio that's not something normal people can do that's not something world-class athletes can do and it was just very casually overlooked where it's like yeah he was on the couch for 13 days but he's gonna play tonight and nobody nobody who's said anything of maybe they should casually ramp up their cardio and get them back in the game shape as opposed to just throwing them right back out there yeah it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And then the Stars had the, they had the, um, the freeze in the early part of the season where they couldn't play home games for a couple of weeks because the Dallas power, the Texas power grid was basically frozen over. So yeah, the Stars really had the year from hell last year. They they really did. And like they said a couple times, like we don't want to make excuses. Like it's not an excuse or whatever. I it was kind of an excuse. The yeah. entire the entire North Texas area was like there was no power there were you know players like hey you can come to my house let's have a sleepover because you don't have power at your place like that's ridiculous yeah that these are just casual things that were glossed over last year and the stars weren't even that bad last year they were still firmly average for as depleted as they were as difficult as that division was i mean they went from their normal division to having to play carolina nash well they usually play nashville but florida and tampa eight times each like those are genuine juggernauts like all three of those teams are bona fide stanley cup contenders and Ellis had to play them eight times each. That's just, it was a lot last year. Very difficult. And they weren't really able to make a lot of moves in the offseason. I mean, they brought in Ryan Suter, which I know I follow a lot of Stars fans who have spent a lot of time complaining about Ryan Suter. What what have your impressions been of year one of Suter in Dallas? Yeah, I'm one of those complaining about Ryan Suter. Um, okay, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really have that many actual opinions of his hockey. <laughs> I just don't like him very much why what, would is you it the vibes him? the energies yes. what's off yes yes he's okay he's so old yes why would you sign him for this much the like Miro was playing his best hockey at the very beginning of the season when they were moving stuff around and he was playing with different players and then Bones decided to put him with Suter and Miro hasn't gotten a goal I wrote this down Miro hasn't gotten a goal since just since right before Christmas. Wow. 
that's ridiculous. And he was like top top of the team in goals at the beginning of the season. I don't know so, what they did, but I I get exactly what you're saying. Like this is a very, this is there's no middle class of age guys on the stars. It's either you're in your late thirties and you already have a wife and kids, or you are a sweet baby child. You are somebody yes. who's like best, basically it's still college age and you are on the team. There's no 27, 28 year olds. There's going to be a very jarring transition in a year or two where those young guys are going to be the core of the team. And Tyler Shagan and Jamie Ben and Joe Pavelski and Ryan Suter and John Klimberg, they're just not going to be a major factor on the team going forward. They'll still probably be there, but you won't be able to realistically count on them to be significant contributors, which is really difficult to think about. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, they're all either one injury away from retiring or they've been playing, they've only been playing since the pandemic, pretty much. And that's a really weird spot to be in. How do you, how do you play like that? Like, how do you put those players together? I mean, they're doing it this year. This is the first fairly normal uh, season for some of these players. So it's interesting. What have your feelings been towards the carousel of goalies they've had? Because the Stars have had a litany of guys circle through there when they had Davi during the playoff run go to the cup final. They had the end of Ben Bishop's career. They gradually brought along Jake Ottinger. They signed Braden Holtby. What has that cycle of goalies been like? I think at first it was really scary because you don't know what's happening. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, we had like the beginning of the season, four goalies. That's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, some people said, you know, it's confusing, but I don't know. Four goalies can't be that bad. Um, really sad about Bishop. Like, it's always sad to see somebody, you know, have an injury that has to take you out of the game. But hopefully he'll stick around in some capacity. And he has been, you know, talking talking with uh, other goalies and stuff like Otter. But um, I think Holtby's been good. I'm glad they brought Ottinger back up because he was sent down at the beginning of the season for a little bit. And he came back with a vengeance he wanted to prove himself and he definitely definitely has um and i think they're really hoping he will be the the, fran- the franchise goalie coming in the next couple of years and i think so it de- i think he could too it, it's hard to bring along the baby goalies because they just need so much time because whether they go to college whether they play junior hockey or they're overseas they just need a lot of seasoning before you can just say all right 50 nhl starts like Andre's 22 years old, 23 years old, and they're going to have to casually build him up to being, you know, a 50 game goalie because in college, your season is only 30 games in junior hockey. It's only 30, 40 games, and you're not going to play all 40 or 30 games on a college or a junior hockey team. So casually building them up over time. And it did help to some degree that last season was truncated and he was able to get some reps in there. But like you said, you got to casually build him along because that's one of the things you can't be a good team without. If you don't have a good goalie, you're not a good team. And the stars during their periods of decent play, they've had decent goaltending and that's important going forward. And especially somebody who's young, who won't be that expensive and has upside. The The stars games I've watched and the underlying numbers bear it out. Andre's been pretty good for somebody with not a lot of NHL experience. Yeah, and then so I think signing Holtby was really good because he's yeah. you know, a veteran goalie. He knows what he's doing. He's confident in himself already. Like, he's he's established. And then giving that to young little Otter to have somebody to work with and 
I think it was it's really good for him and hopefully hopefully they don't sign uh Holtby away but we'll see yeah, that's something that's out there. And Hobie's just good in the room. He's a good energy guy. He has positive vibes, which is important on a team that has so many of these young, impressionable people who need good good influences around them. So having Hobie on a young team like that, especially with a young goalie like Ottinger, that's just good business to have somebody who for your young goalie to lean on. That's important. So that's definitely a feather in the cap for that front office, recognizing that. Yeah. So... The question I have that I've kind of been trying to figure out, is this kind of it for the Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn grouping? Because they've kind of been on that de-escalation for a little while now. They're a little bit older. They both have a lot of miles on their bodies. They've been playing professional hockey a long time. I mean, Tyler Sagan's been in the league 11 years now. Jamie Benn close to that. And it just accumulates. And Sagan basically hadn't been fully healthy since 2017 2018 and he had a really slow start to the season they've kind of gradually been building him back up and he's been getting better but jamie ben has more or less been mediocre for two or three years now what does that feel like to just casually watch the power sap away from guys as they get older yeah i relate it to um watching my dad um watch the dallas cowboys from about 2009 to 2012 and just the sadness in his eyes as he hangs up his Tony Romo jersey and it never leaves the closet again you know um it it does kind of feel like that it is very sad but at the same time it's it would be way worse if there was nobody else coming in yeah but I feel so much better when I'm like, oh yeah, okay, well, Jamie Ben will be gone. It'll be fine. Cause then we'll make Jason Robertson captain. It's no big deal. Or we'll make Miro captain or, you know, like it is kind of sad to see them go, but they're old and might as well, you know, if I don't want them to get any injuries either. I, like yeah. I said, I'm always happy when people are healthy and stuff. So the worst thing would be to get a like a terrible injury and have to quit that way but yeah it is it is hard to see them um you know quitting but I don't know they're still fun to watch yeah and that's important for a smaller market team like the stars that they've had Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan for so long because Tyler Sagan is one of like the five identifiable hockey players to casual people like everybody who's been on like the internet at some point in the last 10 years has seen the pictures of him in a beanie riding his Zamboni butt ass naked like casually there are a lot of people who wouldn't otherwise recognize a hockey player in a police lineup that know Tyler Sagan's face and abs. So that is something that the stars can build on. That is what that's important for a smaller market team to have an identifiable star. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's also good that you know they're still around to bring these younger guys in um mm. to the leadership positions. Like seeing Sagan come back this year, he like he just seems like he's having fun. Yes even when he's, you know, not playing as many minutes or whatever, he, he genuinely is having fun playing and watching the younger kids, you know, do well. And, uh, you know, Jamie Ben's going out there and, you know, leading in penalty minutes. So I guess he's having fun. Um, so it's good to, it's good to see them, you know, it's not, a, I guess it's not as depressing as yeah. a, and as it could be. 
that's a good way to think about it too because they that is a real thing where you can reinvigorate your older guys by being a fun team i mean joe pavelski is having one of the best seasons of his entire career right now playing on a line with two children and it's working very well Joe Pavelski is insane. I don't know what they're feeding him. I don't know if he's found the fountain of youth. I don't know if he made a blood sacrifice to the hockey gods. Uh, he must have done one of those things. I, I genuinely have. He's insane. He's thirty-five. He's doing it. Years old. He's amazing. Yeah, and I think he's fifteen years older than Jason Robertson. Yes. Like, that's insane to think about. <laughs> <laughs> legitimately crazy to think about and that's the thing they identified something that fits where the traits mesh really well together when they play Rupe with Robertson and Pavelski and Jason Robertson very casually was one of the three stars for the month of January he had the hat tricks and back-to-back games he's really kind of finding his sweet spot he's finding his groove and he's getting highlighted for it he's been an, an interview during the national games he's been on a couple of the hockey media cycles like it's really important for that next group of guys the people his age bracket the jack hughes's the jason robertson's the zegras's that group of guys to be more comfortable on camera to be a media presence because so many of the older guys like sid and ovi are just miserable people who never want to talk to the media so it's exciting to see younger guys like jason robertson who are both very good at hockey and also have a vested interest in like i want myself to be out there i want the public to know about me i want them to care about me that's really good and exciting and it helps he's awesome at hockey yeah jamie ben is like the worst at interviews <laughs> and stuff he it's it's almost comedic yeah, he will give one word answers and just sit there and stare them down with his giant sad cow eyes. It's, <laughs> it's awful. But then, you know, you put Jason Robertson in there and he's like, Hey, guys, how's it going? You know, yeah. he's always seems like he's excited to talk to whoever and he's always smiling and um, he has such a great media presence. Um, and he's fun to watch play too. He's got he's got everything. Yeah, and Rupe too. Rupe has found that weird internet sweet spot too, where he's kind of in that Nolan Patrick tier of people where it's both, there are people who want to look at him and also watch him play hockey, which makes it really interesting because you get very different things when you just name search Rupe hints on Twitter. Very different things based on who's tweeting it. Yes. That's all I'm gonna say about that is yes. He needs to bring back the pigtails. It's been too long. Those are fun. Oh my gosh, he does. He when he cut his hair, that was the worst yeah, day of my life. That that's a depressing thing when a hockey cuts their hair off. Like Farabee shaved his flow off, and I was depressed oh. for a couple of days. Jack Hughes, same deal. Just what are we doing here? Come on, guys. I don't know. Rupe was in New York. He said he was in New York about to get surgery, and he just passed a barber shop and was like, you know what? I'm gonna cut my hair and get some highlights and a perm. Who let him? Who let him do that? That, yeah, that's one of the other things that's really crazy when you think about it abstractly. It's like, these are like college sophomores who are getting like five-figure direct deposits every two weeks, just no oversight, no supervision. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? And then you get very weird things like the random haircuts, the random tattoos, the very weird car purchases, the the horses, the random things you end up seeing, like the, the painting bet that the Hughes brothers had. Like, you shouldn't have this amount of money. Your parents should be getting this direct deposit and giving you X amount of it every week. Yeah, but it's growing the game. So you know what? Yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. We gotta we gotta let these guys be themselves. There's definitely an element of that that these younger guys get. The TikTok hockey players will save us. The Jack Hughes's, the Rupes, those are the people who will get the casual fan to notice something they do because they see the highlight on the Instagram Explorer page or on their TikTok algorithm. That's important because hockey is very old, it's very crusty, and it's very male. We got to get more people involved because, and those younger guys know that, and they have a vested interest in like, I like my job. I'd like to get paid more money to do my job. So how do I do that? And there's a very clear path to doing that. And it's encouraging that the younger guys like Jason Robertson, like Rupe, like Jack Hughes, like Trevor Zegers, they want to be more than just hockey players. Yeah. And then I think some of these younger guys are like on the older end of, you know, the internet Gen Z kids. So they know how to use social media. They know how to, and not even in as like a a PR thing, like just personally, they know how to use social media. One of my favorites is uh, rookie Jacob Peterson on the stars. Oh yeah. He has, a lot of these guys will go back and like delete old pictures, but Jacob Peterson (laughs) has never, you can see pictures of him from his like 16th birthday. It's so cute. And I, you know, makes him seem like just a guy. And he is just a guy, but you know, you can see that he's got a weird Instagram, just like everybody. Yeah. It's good when they humanize themselves because so many of them are just manufactured packages. It'd be nice to be able to empathize and relate to them a little bit more. This is something I've constantly pounded the drum on. Like there have been guys who've been on my favorite team for like five or six years. And I know like nothing about them because there's just no character building. There's no world building. I know this person likes music because they DJ in the off season. I know nothing about what they like to do with music. Just missed opportunities, missed opportunities. Yep. And then when you go on Twitter and you start to humanize them, you get yeah. the the guys in the comments being like, stop sexualizing my my favorite player. It's gross. And I'm like, I just said he was a DILF, but okay. Yeah, there's degrees to this. The, the internet is bad. The internet is bad. <laughs> that, that, especially the comments. The comments and the replies are always bad. Never, never take them at face value. So circling back here a little bit more on the tracks, talking about the stars this season, They've been one, a very streaky team. They've played a lot of low-scoring, close games. They're 17-5-3 and three in one-goal games. And I think that also leads into that narrative about them kind of being a boring, slow-paced team because they're in all these tight games. But that's a conscious style they play because of the personnel they have. What have been, what's the season been like for you so far? Um, either terrible or great okay they don't know how to do anything just like you know they have the oldest men alive and then they have children they also sometimes play the best hockey you've ever seen and then sometimes they play like like a you know kids hockey team um uh which makes it fun it makes it interesting i guess um every day i Every time I watch a game, I think today will be the day Rick Bonus will get fired, and it's still not. Um, we can we can always we can always hope, you know. Um, yeah. But it's been an interesting season. I'm, I, I guess I'm most. It's been most fun watching the younger guys play and get better, mm-hmm. like bringing in a couple call ups with like uh, Thomas Harley and. Uh, Tufty got a goal the other day, his first NHL goal, and uh, Jacob Peterson's really fun to watch. Um, 
and then obviously Robertson and Hintz and Miro, but I think that's the most fun part because you can see them now and you're like, they're this good right now and they're only going to get better. So the, the underlying hope, even, even after bad games, the underlying hope of, well, we still have this younger core, hopefully for a while. Um, that's been, that's been fun. And they kind of started out of the gate slow. There was a point there in December where they were like 10 points back of a playoff spot, and they've kind of played their way into one. They're sitting in one of the wild cards right now. What do you think, do you think the way they've played has kind of changed the expectations for the team throughout the course of the season? Um, Maybe. They seem okay. to do this thing where when it, doesn't matter as much they don't play as well I guess and then okay. right when you think right when you think oh that's it you know the Dallas Stars are done for they're like wait a second we've got it we know what we're doing kind of like for a while in the season their second period would be the worst hockey you've ever seen like they go in the first period they know how to play hockey and then the second period they forget what game they're playing and then the third period you're like you know what we know how to play hockey now and then they go back and play hockey um that feels like the season. So hopefully at the end, they'll do this big push and maybe make it. Do you think making the playoffs is a good thing for them based on where they are, or could it lead to like a false hope thing? Like kind of what happened two years ago with them, what happened with the Canucks in the bubble where, oh, we made the playoffs. Okay, let's be aggressive and make our team even better right now, even though we're not actually that good. Um, I think making the playoffs wouldn't be bad. But, okay. but if they got like a couple rounds in and then lost, that would be bad. Okay. Pushing yourself that hard for that long probably isn't good for them right now. But if they made it and like lost in the first round, I wouldn't be that upset because okay. that gives like the younger kids another chance to like look at the playoffs in like a regular uh, time. Like most, they, you know, only know the playoffs from the bubble. So give them like a regular kind of playoff experience and then they lose. And then, you know, you go recover in the off season, come back next year and uh, use what you learn from that for next season. How patient would you say the front office is with their decision-making? Like how bad would things have to get for Rick Bodas to get fired or how aggressive would they be in changing up the roster based on how the end of this season and the postseason went? I really have no idea because there were a couple points early, early in the season when they were losing like every single away game. And I was like, they have to be talking about getting rid of Rick Bonus. They have to like, why, what is he still doing here? But then, you know, they would go home and play an amazing game and you're like, dang it. Like, you know, there were jokes where they were like, you know, doesn't Miro know that we're supposed to be getting Rick Bonus fired. He's supposed to be losing. But I, I really don't know. I think because Bones got them so far in 2020, they just think he's God's gift to humanity. I, I have no idea what Jim Nill's thinking. Sometimes Jim Nill makes the best decision in the world and he drafts Miro at number three. And then sometimes he signs Ryan Suter with a no movement clause. So I don't know. 
that's the problem when it's the same 44 white guys who get alternated between the 32 GM jobs. There's no creativity. It's just the same 50-50 coin flip on every single transaction where, oh, okay, that was a good move. Oh, what? Like the Flyers trading for Ryan Ellis and trading for Rasmus Ristolainen in the same offseason. You made all this progress and then you took two steps back. There's just, there's no creativity. There's no imagination. It's very much, okay, we have a hole on defense. Well, my guy who I talked to likes this guy, so we're going to bring him in. And it's just, Ryan Suter doesn't fill an obvious hole on the team. Like, yes, you needed a second pair of left defensemen. You also got one who's old and expensive when you probably could have found something else to do there. It's just, it's frustrating. And I, I get frustrated about teams that aren't mine. Like, I get frustrated that, you know, somebody gave Rasmus Ristolainen an extension today, that the Stars signed Ryan Suter in the offseason because... That just makes the team worse. And the more bad hockey teams there are, the worse the viewing experience. I just want every team to be good. That's what I've come yeah. to as I've gotten older. <laughs> I would just like 32 good NHL teams. So no matter what game I put on, it is a competitive good game to watch. Yeah. And then even if they did fire Rick Bonus, who are they going to hire? Will it be much yeah. better? Probably not. So does it matter? <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. That's one of those things. There's so little creativity in who you would get to be a GM or a head coach that move changing them doesn't really make a whole lot of a difference unless it's the most toxic environment imaginable where like you're getting rid of Mike Babcock to bring in Sheldon Keefe. And then, okay, I can see where that would make a difference. But going from Rick Bonus to just some other hockey coach will probably not make that big of a difference. Yeah, my, um, my giant brain um, theory is they should fire Rick Bonus and then hire um, Ben Bishop as head coach. I think that would be amazing. Five or you know six, seven Ben Bishop behind the bench. I think I think that could be a good. Um, he seems like a good leader. I could get behind that. Ben Bishop definitely one of the hockeys who I've always kind of felt like. Yeah, I don't know why, but there's a good energy around him. I kind of like him for some reason. I don't know why, but he's always kind of had that energy. He's just so he's just so tall, but yeah. so like sweet looking. He's just got this yeah. nice little smile, and he's pretty soft spoken. He's great. Yeah, he is. He's one of those guys for whatever reason. I've always kind of liked for no real for no real reason at all. So, a couple, like I said, about a month or two ago, there was probably a chance they would miss the playoffs and. Pavelski's name was out there at the deadline, but now from everything I'm reading, it seems like Dallas wants to bring him back for another year or two, which is good because they found a really good spot for him and they're getting great production out of him and he wants to stay, which is important. That shows like, hey, we're doing something right here because this guy wants to stay here. Yeah, I think Joe just really loves hockey, you know, and he wants yeah. to play as long as he can and he's found something really good with Rupe and robo and you know they're having fun and why wouldn't they sign him at least for next at least for another season you know yeah what do you think about the Klinberg thing because it's been out there for a little while now that he wants to leave but they haven't really facilitated or made any move towards that because they're a playoff team and they don't want to take away one of their three best defensemen on a playoff team yeah it really seems like it's a, a purely like money thing. Gotcha. You know, Klinger is so, Klinger knows he's good and he knows what he's worth. And it seems like the stars don't want to pay him that. And if they're not going to pay him that, then he should leave. I mean, I would probably cry 
if they traded him, but you know, I want I want him to, you know, get paid what he's worth. And if it's somewhere else, then it's somewhere else. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully he can stay here forever, but that's you know not really how this works. Um, but it does seem like it's purely a money thing. Like Klinger has been saying, hey, I, I want to get paid this. And they're like, you know what? We'll talk about this later. And he's like, no, I want to talk about this now. I want to get this done. And uh, they just don't want to do it. I think it. I think it's looking now more like maybe he'll stay, mm-hmm. but um, they better pay him. They better pay him good. Do you think that Heiskanen's emergence and like very meteoric rise has kind of changed how they feel about their defense in a way that they feel they could just let Klinberg leave because they have a number one defenseman now, a replacement number one defenseman now? Um, maybe, but then they don't really have that many. Like having Klinger and Miro yes. is so good. And losing one of them would be pretty harmful for the defense in general. Um, I I would be pretty upset if they trade Klingberg. And then who would they bring in? Yeah. Who's gonna Who's gonna replace him? Ben Sherratt. Can I interest you in a lightly <laughs> used Ben Sherratt that every NHL team is apparently linked to, but nobody actually wants? I have no where he'll end up that's an interesting one (laughs) everybody swear every insider swears teams want him but i cannot find a single fan who wants ben Chirot, which one of those very interesting delineations what would you say is the star's biggest weakness right now is it personnel is it uh, a hole in the lineup is it the inability to stay healthy what have been the problems for the stars this season uh i want to say ryan Suter. Okay. Just him, because I don't like him. Um, I don't know. I don't focus on the negative, except for Ryan Suter, because I don't like him. Um, probably, probably Bones. It seems okay. like the players seem to really like him. Every time a player talks about him, they talk about how much they love him, how great he is. But then he does stuff like scratching a kid they like they go to his hometown team and they he, they scratch him for the game and his whole family showed up and they're all excited and he doesn't play like what what the hell is that or um what was it i think like Gurianov got a overtime goal and then he played like five minutes the next game or something insane like he just oh also yeah he seems to have this like hatred for Gurianov for some reason and that can't be good like but talking to most of the guys on the team like when they do interviews they seem to love him so much so I don't I don't know what it is I don't know what hold he has over them but I do want to blame Rick Bonus as a pretty pretty big weakness because sometimes he makes decisions that just make no sense would you say the vibes are better this season around the team than they've been in the last couple of years or do you think they're just playing better um I think the vibes are pretty good, except for Suter. Okay. Maybe that cancels out. Like they brought in Holtby, that was ugh, major good vibes. But then they bring in Suter, and that kind of cancels it out. You don't get much different than Holtby and Suter in my mind. But um, Robo has excellent vibes. He brings it up quite a bit. 
Tyler Sagan being back and healthy, that brings it up quite a bit. He really is just so fun to watch. Every time he gets a goal, it's just, he's so excited. He's like falling on the ice and uh, stuff. And then, you know, Rupe this season's been amazing. His vibes are great. So I think it's just way more fun to watch when you have guys like Rupe and Robo who are scoring as many goals as they are. Mm-hmm. And it having fun like- doing it. It helps when your team is likable. It definitely makes the viewing experience a little bit more enjoyable as a fan. One thing I wanted to touch on, a couple weeks ago when when they played on, I think that might have been last week when they played on TNT and they were just, and Sagan was very casually leaning over to look on the <laughs> iPad and he talks, re- for somebody who looks like he breathes out of his mouth, he explains and like, He's very good at explaining hockey in a very easy way. And just, that's another thing to lean into. Like, this is a very likable person who's got a little bit of a personality. Where is the hockey content? Give me Tyler Sagan explaining hockey, Dallas Stars admin, please. Yeah, there's like this old clip from maybe like a all-star game or something, I think. And he's doing like the play-by-play for like a minute. And, you know, I think it was from a while ago, so he's pretty young and it's kind of ridiculous, but... I think he definitely, if and when he retires, hopefully it's not soon, but he'll probably stay in the business somehow because he's he is a personality and he has been for so long, and he's such a he's such a fun guy. I think without him, if the stars hadn't traded for him back in like 2013 or whatever, it would be a very depressing team. No offense to Jamie Ben, but Jamie Ben just has very depressing vibes, and. It's hard to, not hard to like Jamie Ben. He's a great player, I guess, but he's not very fun. And yeah, no, definitely. I definitely get that. That's reasonable. Tyler Sagan I mean, is very fun. Yes, he is. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it doesn't take a lot to be a personality in hockey. Like, if you express any emotion or answer a question in more than five words, you're pretty good. Like, I a couple of weeks ago, I, I had one of my friends on, and we, we had a discussion of, is Austin Matthews actually cool, or is he just hockey cool? Tyler Sagan might actually be cool, not just hockey cool. Like, I might actually want to hang out with Tyler Sagan. Yeah, and that's how I feel about Jason Robertson. He's been doing a lot of, like, interviews and stuff recently because he's, um, you know, been doing so well, and Every time I see him talking, he just, he's just like such a cool guy. Like he seems like he'd be fun to have a conversation with. Yeah. And that's good for the game in general, not just for the Dallas Stars, but I think for the entire, the entire uh, NHL. Poor Miro got put on IR today because he got mono, which I... I, I forgot mono was a thing like that pops up like every couple of years one athlete will get it like Sam Darnold on the Jets got it I think two or three years ago and just that's just really unfortunate because he's had such a such a good bounce back season after a couple of mediocre seasons because they had just had a difficult time and just now you're in the stretch run now I mean the trade deadline's in two weeks they're in a playoff spot right now but there's five teams that are all pretty close I mean Nashville's got the first one with 68 points Dallas is second with 67, Edmonton with 66, Vancouver 64, and Anaheim with 63. This is a really important time of the season, and he's going to be out at least two to three weeks. Yeah, I saw that this morning, and I just wanted to cry, but I was in class, so I couldn't. Um, I was, it's so funny, because every time I think of Bono, I think of, like, you know, every high school has, like, a Bono outbreak every, you know, three years or whatever. And I'm like, 
how did you, Miro, how did you get mono, please? Yeah. How? Why? Why now? First of all, why now? And how? And they're about to go on a, another pretty long road trip. They desperately need him. But in the past couple of games he's been gone, apparently Ryan Studer's been stepping up. I don't know, he got like a goal the other day, I guess. I mean, good for him or whatever, but um, <laughs> hopefully he can he can keep it up now that Miro's not, you know, carrying him on his back. What do you think is going to happen the rest of the way for the Stars? This season? Yeah. That is a great question, and I have really no answer. I have no idea. They could push through and be amazing, and they could just depressingly fall off so quickly because that's all they seem to do is all or nothing. And I think the most interesting thing will be to see if they trade Klingberg um, and then what they decide to do with we've got quite a few people coming up on the end of their contracts or whatever to see how much they're going to pay them um, and for how long. Um, I don't think they'll make it very far if they do make it to playoffs, but if they do make it to playoffs, that'd be fun. Um, but I just need them to not make it too far so that they can stay healthy for next season. That's a good way to think about it. Bigger picture, what are you most excited for the rest of the way hockey in general, not just the Stars? Um, just the younger players in general. They mm -hmm. are so fun to watch. I love how they just say things and do things and then they make old man hockey guys mad for, you know, being fun. Um, it, they just, they are like just college frat kids pretty much, yeah. but in a league with, you know, the most boring men alive, sometimes you need a couple of college frat kids to spice it up. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think they're fun. Also just, uh, I think some teams are getting better at like, you know, using social media and PR um, yeah. to engage with fans and that's fun. Some teams are doing better than others, um, but it's always fun to see like fan and, fan interaction and, and things like that. And especially with the younger players, because getting a younger audience is what they, what you need to survive. Any, any company yes. needs younger people to survive. Um, so I think, I think in general, it's, it's the younger players. And then, you know, the things like Jack Eichel, you know, standing yeah. up for himself and getting the, you know, surgery he wanted, stuff like that, you know, making, uh, you know uh, waves in sports in general i think that's good definitely one of the things i'm happy about i mean they, they go back to buffalo i think this week the the yep. vegas goes back to buffalo so that'll be very fun i love that when hockey gets a little bit theatrical and dramatic I, the peak of dramatics was when Tavares went back to long island as a leaf for the first time that was like the at the peak of like Throwing rubber snakes on the ice is just so motherfucking dramatic. Like, bro, you're 50 years old. You went to work this morning and you had a rubber snake in your car all day. And that was the message you had to send. Just when hockey does the theatrics and the drama right, it really hits that sweet spot. And yeah, that's, that's something I think hockey does have that sets them apart from other sports. It, it actually reminds me a lot of 
um, like uh, college football. Yeah. The weird intricacies of college football that just are like cultish in nature. Yes. But they're so fun, like yes. Texas Tech throwing tortillas on the yes. ground, things like that. And that's why people like, you know, will live and die for their college alma mater. And hockey kind of has that aspect to it that others, other major league uh, teams don't. Yeah, no, definitely. Hockey definitely has a little bit more of the cultish energy than the other North American sports aside from college football. Because I, 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 hockey is so niche that like the only people who really are that passionate about it are actually crazy. So it makes it for it makes for a little bit more chaotic, I would say, than the other sports. The last question I have for you before I get you out of here. What would be your ideal Stanley Cup final? Sure, you can answer it in whatever way you want, whether you just want to see good hockey, whether you want funny, mean potential, whatever you want. What would be your ideal Cup final? Right now, I mean, the Avalanche is looking really good. I would like to see them. I would like to see them in the Cup final just because they do. They are playing so good. Mm -hmm. um, I think they deserve it. They've got so many good players. Um, I love Kale McCarr. Yeah. Um, I have a very soft spot for the 2017 draft class, if, if anybody knows. Um, so that would be fun to see. Um, I think Carolina would be fun to see also. I know they're playing really well right now too, but so that could be a possibility. Um, my nightmare Stanley Cup would be the lightning. Um, I think I would delete all my social media and, you know, go off the grid. But um, I think they would be fun. That would be a fun Stanley Cup. And then maybe, maybe like, um, what's another one that's up there right now? Florida, the Leafs. Oh, I think the Panthers would be interesting to watch. Like a Panthers yeah. Carolina. I think a Panthers Carolina would be interesting. That'd be a really good conference final. I hope that is what we get instead of the Lightning going to the third round. And we get that, and then we get something like Colorado and Calgary in the conference finals. That would be very fun. That would be very good hockey. For narrative purposes, I think Dallas and Carolina would be funny because of all the Finns. Yeah. It would be, uh, it would be so great. I would want to see them get in a giant like line brawl with just seven fins on the ice. That would be fascinating. Um, but yeah, there'd be so many fun, just narrative uh, Stanley Cup. But for like fun hockey, I think Colorado, uh, Carolina would be really fun to watch. That would be some fun. That would be really fast. That would be very easy for the casual fan. Oh, yeah, they're flying out there. I'm going real fast tonight. That kind of thing. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. I know you laughed at me when I asked if you wanted to come on to talk about the stars. I genuinely thought I was being punked. I was like, there's no fucking way. I'm trying here. We got to get all kinds of viewpoints. Everybody's got something to say. I, I guess. <laughs> did, did you, this was a good conversation. I feel like I got a good vibe check on the stars. I feel like I understand the plight of the stars right now. Good. I'm, I'm glad I can spread my um, hatred of Ryan Suter 
to the rest of the world. And Rick Bonus. And Rick Bonus. Oh, and yes, of course, and Rick. And my love for all things Miro and Robertson and Hints. Yeah. They are the best. So that's all you need to know about the stars, really. That's a really good synopsis. That's a really good, like, one sentence understanding of where the stars are at right now. Yep. All right. That will just about do it for today's show. I hope everybody goes out there, has a good weekend. We will be back on Monday. Not sure the topics for Monday, but we've got guests lined up for next week. We've got a Red Wings episode set up, a Bruins episode set up. Trying to get the Oilers and Blue Jackets settled on days of the week next week, too. I will see you guys on Monday.